As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. We got a kind of emergency edition going on here. Ari, we were going to record a show today anyway, but this is not the show we had planned to do. Auburn has fired Brian Harson. Listen to this press release. Auburn, Alabama, Dateline. Auburn University has decided to make a change in the leadership of the Auburn University football program. President Roberts have made the decision after th- I don't know why I'm reading this in a British accent, but it feels like that shit. <laughs> well, it's because you're trying to you're trying to probe your your Dateline host. You, but you, as the dew trickled over the beginning of, or, uh, on the leaves in the morning of yes. uh, October thirty, well, Halloween, no Halloween. Yeah. You got to do Halloween themed. Oh, so I had to read it as a spooky one. Yeah, it's like. As the do Auburn University has decided to make a change in the leadership of the football program. Dun, dun, dun. President Roberts made the decision after a thorough review and evaluation of all aspects of the football program. Auburn dun, dun, will begin dun. an immediate search for a coach that will return the Auburn program to a place where it was consistently competing at the highest levels and representing the winning tradition that is Auburn football. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, right. we started off with Dateline and we turned into a horror movie but uh you know it's funny it's like an emergency podcast but i kind of feel like we've been preparing to do this podcast for three months so it's like finally yes. let's just get it off our chests because like yes. it's like behind the scenes uh we, we've been planning hey are you going to be around on sunday if this happens are you it's, it's a, it happened it's during business hours and now we can finally uh, try or attempt to break it down if we haven't done so thoroughly well, already. And, and, and some pieces have fallen into place. Like John Cohen is going to be Auburn's new athletic director. He's coming over from Mississippi State. So we have an idea of, of who will be making the hire. Chris Roberts is their new president. That's That was the President Roberts that was referred to in the, in the release. And it, I, one thing I saw that was interesting, Ari, right before we popped on, uh, Brandon Marcello, very good reporter for 24-7 Sports, he covered Auburn for quite a while before he got his current job. And he said he thinks Brian Harson is the worst coach in the history of Auburn football. Uh, I mean, certainly in the modern history. Who's, yeah, I mean, I don't even know who's second unless we go. I mean, if we're going into the 50s here, because um, Auburn's won national titles. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in the it, recent past, you think, the, you think back. Well, and, and that's the thing Pat Dye. Terry Bowden, Tommy Tuberville, Gene Chizik, Gus Malzahn. 
all of them won SEC titles. All of them, I believe all of them had, a, I don't know if Pat Dye had an undefeated season. I have to go back and check. But Tuberville, Chiswick had undefeated seasons. Gus's first year, they won the SEC and played for the national title. We're 30 seconds away from winning a national title. All of them had success. Harson had no success. Harson was a bad fit from the beginning. And, and the, the way this all went down was seedy and, and sucked because they tried to fire him for free back in January. They, they created a, a, you know, an inquiry into to how he was coaching and people spread all sorts of nasty rumors about him and his family. And that was stupid. That didn't need to happen. He should have never been hired in the first place, but it's Auburn dysfunction that led to his hiring in the first place. Let's uh, before we get into who is next, let's let's take a trip back two years and explain how all this happened, Ari, because they decided they, that Gus Malzahn wasn't good enough. Gus Malzahn, who was beating Nick Saban better than any other coach who had to play Nick Saban every year, he not doing enough. So they fire him, pay him $21 million. There was a faction, the one that, that kind of got the firing triggered, that wanted to install Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator under Malzahn, as the head coach. That was quickly fought back against by another faction. That one included athletic director, then athletic director, Alan Green. And Green winds up taking control of the search. We know Billy Napier was contacted. We know Brent Venables was contacted. We know both of them basically said, I don't know who's in charge there. That doesn't sound like a good job for me. Eventually, they land on Brian Harson, who, as far as I can gather, told Alan Green that, that he intended to out-evaluate Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and, and they would win with a tougher team than Alabama and Georgia who have the best players and also the best talent development program. You're not watching. I'm shaking my head and the tendons hurt. Um, you know, it's like funny because I don't even know who's really at fault here. The hiree or the hirer? I, I think it's the hirer in this case. I agree. Well, it's the hiree yeah. too because the hiree – did accept the job and cash the checks. Like if you took that direct deposit, then you should do the job that you got hired to do. And Brian Harson was told at, at various points what the job was. And it's, you got to go try to recruit the same players that Nick Saban and, and Kirby Smart is recruiting. You can't think that you're going to find diamonds in the rough and you'll have them in your program for three, four years. And suddenly they'll emerge tougher and be able that works in the mountain West. That does not work in the sec. I'm trying to do like a journalism analogy here but if you let's just say we start the andy staples daily it's mm -hmm. a national uh, college football newspaper and you want to hire the managing editor of that yep. paper what would he have to say that would be anywhere close to we're going to evaluate nick saban in terms of the ridiculousness of that like i, I and as a, a person making that hire like i mean like step one would be recruit 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 and if the person that you're hiring to be the managing editor isn't report 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 right you don't it like won't the work. person making the well, hiring process has to understand yeah. that yeah wakey ski on the, in the chat says how can you decide you want to fire a guy after year one bro never had ground to stand no 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 you can decide that if you know that he's not going to do the job that he was hired to do 
You can decide that after year one. It's like hiring right. a shooting guard in the NBA who doesn't like taking shots. Yeah, he's no, it, well, it's Ben Simmons. Yeah, it's, it's, hiring, it's hiring Ben happened. Simmons, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, no, it's basically hiring a shooting guard in the NBA who thinks he's a post player. Who's like, I'm going to play down in the post. And I'm like, going to no, post up Shaq. you to play in the block. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm going to post up Giannis. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, so it's kind of like this weird case of dysfunction both at the coaching level and in the hiring level and if you're auburn you have to hope that the athletic director and the president are more competent in the hiring process this time around than they were the previous time and i think that's the most hopeful thing so as you go through the list of candidates and i'm assuming that we're going to get to here on the show we should i think we have to get to candidates that fit the scope of what you need to say the first minute you're in an auburn interview yes and i do think they're going to be people that we're not thinking of because we're like, I don't know, they probably got too good of a job who are going to look at this and go, well, they can win national championships there. So I'm at least going to dip my toe in this. But Will Bailey with a great question. Do you think John Cohen can make a good hire? His track record is Joe Moorhead and Mike Leach. And he points out correctly that Mike Leach only came after Joe Judge got swiped by the New York Giants. So they were they were going to hire Joe Judge to be Mississippi State's head coach. And then the Giants decided to hire him as the head coach. Well, here's the thing you have to say, too. It's like comparing being the general manager of the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Yankees. You have different sales pitches Mm -hmm. and different resources that you have at your disposal, which makes other previous hires that you made a little bit. I don't know if it's irrelevant, but it's not apples to apples. Yes. So you need someone who will go head to head with Saban and Smart. You need someone. This is pretty important right now who is good in the transfer portal because you've got to flip that roster right freaking now. Derek Hall's gone. Uh, Tank Bigsby's going to be gone. The best the best parts of your roster, which were all recruited during the Gus Malzahn era, are gone. So you have got to, to flip it immediately into something competitive. Now, that hey, Andy, to, yeah, real quick, before you go to the thing that leads you to, because that's going to be a big discussion, I just want to add in a factoid, um, and I'm sure you know this, but uh, I saw Ross Dellinger tweeted out the 2022 buyout tracker. Harson oh, got 15 and a half mil. Okay. Uh, Frost got 15 million. Jeff Collins got 11.3. Paul Christ, 11. Uh, Carl Durrell, 8.7. Uh, Herm Edwards, 8. And uh, the thing that I thought was most interesting about this list is that considering that Auburn set the record for largest buyout ever with Malzahn, what you said, twenty-two million. I think that means that uh, Auburn is paying roughly thirty-eight million dollars in buyout money as we speak, which is a crap ton of money. And the punchline, well, has it, paid because a lot of that was owed to, to Malzahn immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or paid or has paid that much money in the last three years, two years, and all of that money combined is less than what A and M would have to pay. <laughs> Would have to pay. Uh, yes, yes, they would have to pay Gus Malzahn's Auburn buyout to Jimbo Fisher within sixty days, and then, and then seven they, million they, a year for the next nine years. And then they'd have to come up with forty-four mil after all that. So, like that is yep. just a context too of like if you talk about buyouts and A and M having money, like Auburn has m- up and away paid more than anybody in the in the recent history in buyout money. And it's not even half of what Jimbo would have to be paid. So, okay, go on to your next point. Uh, I don't think people care about financial stuff, but I do think it's kind of interesting to at least mention. So you got to flip this roster. That leads me to one person and one person only. I know who you're going to say. Just say it. Who recruits the portal better than anybody else? 
Go ahead. So say his name. The Portal King Lane <laughs> Kiffin. Now, let me ask you this question, Ari. Would you entertain the Auburn job if you were Lane Kiffin? Or would you use the Auburn job to squeeze another million out of a million bucks out of Ole Miss? Because I know, know which one I'd pick. I think I would use it to squeeze money out of Ole Miss. Me too. I the thing with Lane is that he's been through enough turbulence in his career. And I don't know, maybe he's the more mature version of himself right now. But I feel like Ole Miss gives him an opportunity to kind of be himself at a place that plays in a big-time conference without all the extra crap that comes with it. Now, I'm not necessarily sure the man enjoys living in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, uh, we've heard Living in Auburn, Alabama, and living in Oxford, Mississippi are essentially the, the, same, the same thing. thing. So like, if you're going to so, make a move and you don't enjoy it, then you want to make a move back to – a place that you know offers a little bit more by way of city, but I, I don't know if Lane Kiffin could get a better, more stable job by staying put at Ole Miss and having years like this for three or four more years, or if he thinks that the juice is worth the squeeze here. So only he can answer that. Yep. But considering his career arc, I'm not necessarily sure that sun-kissed FAU Lane Kiffin or seven and one Ole Miss Lane Kiffin that has a nice thing going there wants to put himself through that right now. Does that it, it does. Maybe he does. I don't know. It, maybe he it does. It makes but. perfect sense. Now, if I'm Jimmy Sexton, I'm like, Andy Nari, shut the hell up. Lane wants the job until they offer the job and Ole Miss offers more money and then Lane takes more money Ole Miss. Yeah, so. yeah. So, but like the man that we sat in his office uh, three weeks three ago. Three weeks ago. Yeah. Does that look like a man who wants to do that? No. Like, genuinely wants to do that. No, I I agree with you because he can he can be as successful or maybe and he's currently more successful. And he's not under the same kind of pressure now. So that that leads to some other names. There is a name. There's a guy who succeeded at Ole Miss who I know would go after the same players as Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. And this man just signed a long contract extension. He sure did. Yeah, but I bet it, I bet it lets him out. If he can, I bet it was set up to to let him out. If something really great comes along, that would be Hugh Freeze. I still don't know if if Auburn would hire Hugh Freeze. Lots well, the question you there. have to ask about Auburn before we continue on this is how far the down the line of sell your soul to be good are they? Are they like desperate at this point? Because are, the are, money they, has are they to Texas A and M at this point? Are they Texas A&M at this point? I don't know if that's the way I would categorize it, but like, are they like sell your soul to be good desperate yet? I don't know if they are. I don't know if they do that. I, I don't know if they'd be willing to do that because I think they're looking at Texas A&M. Like if Jimbo Fisher were in the midst of competing for the SEC title right now, yeah, then they might be saying 12 million a year, no buyout, 10-year contract, whatever it takes. But they're probably looking at Jimbo Fisher and at Mel Tucker and at James Franklin. They're like, oh, this could be worse than yeah. what we have now. Well, I don't know if I'm, I would look at Jimbo Fisher as the same example of what I'm getting at, which is hiring somebody who doesn't have a pristine reputation. Well, uh, I'm not talking about Hugh Freeze. I'm talking about any. I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, but things. I think those are two Go separate issues. Guy. Yeah. If, if that guy is somebody who has even somewhat of a fractured reputation, is Auburn in the position where they could give a little on who the person they are they're after has on that resume 
financially, that's a separate discussion, but they might actually be one of the same, depending on who that person is. But do you think that Auburn is in a position temperament wise to want Hugh Freeze leading their program? I don't know that they'd hire Hugh Freeze because of Hugh Freeze's specific baggage. If Hugh Freeze did not get fired at Ole Miss for what he got fired for, then it might be a different story. And remember, he was not fired for NCAA stuff. He was fired for the phone numbers he was calling that, you know, brought certain people. If you call, they might come to your hotel room, that that sort of thing. So that that's that's what he got fired for. So I don't know that they are going out there. And he's already gotten his big old raise, too, at Liberty. So he's good to go. We're, we're, he, one way or the other, he's good to well, go. Well, here's the thing about Hugh Freeze. He, he would win there, right? Yep. So that's it. That's the statement. He would win there. How much money are you willing to spend to answer to get that to get that guy mm-hmm. uh, to attach the name? And and how far are you willing to go down the moral ladder? I don't think the money you could get him for less money than Jimbo. Like it would, yeah, you would have I think to pay a Jimbo yeah. type deal or a Kirby type deal. But but how many but, years have to go by before Hugh Freeze is even hireable again? That's a good question. I think. I feel like there was a double secret probation going on when people were trying to hire him as an OC in the SEC and the SEC office is like, "Mm, are you sure about that? But I think now, I mean, they can't block that forever, but I'm just not sure that, that any of these big money SEC programs are going to be willing to do that because Hugh freeze. And I don't know if we, like I saw somebody in the chat, right? Urban Meyer. I don't even think that's a rational discussion at this point, but if you start going somebody else wrote Bobby Petrino, like, well, they already tried that once. Yeah. So, so the thing now, I guess, that we're going down the list of are big time risks who would probably command major contracts that might win, but also might be might blow up in your face. Right. So like it's yeah. like if you're Auburn, which direction do you want to go into? Proven winner with baggage, uh, solid coach with solid reputation, but isn't a hundred percent slam dunk, or major risk with insane upside. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How about how about Dion? That's Chris Callahan. That, that would just, be just threw that name out there. Would Dion be insane risk with big upside? Yes, I, I think he would because Dion would have no qualms about going after the same recruits as Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Dion would be all in on the NIL stuff. He would be able to help you c- convince people to invest in the NIL stuff. Now, would Dion hire the staff that needs to be hired to win at Auburn? Maybe, 
He hired a really good staff at Jackson State. Now, I realize it's a very different level, but look at the way they are beating the hell out of people. It's not just because they have better players. They have not had enough time to have that prohibitive a roster advantage. Hey, and everybody who watched 60 Minutes a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. they asked point blank, Dion, if a big-time Power 5 school came and offered you something, would you take it or consider it? And he said, I'd be a fool not to. So the Dion ain't leaving anytime soon thing. Okay, that might be the case, but it's definitely... If uh, Auburn offered, I think he'd take it. Is it the, the question is, would Auburn offer? Because, listen, they, you've got the same faction of people that try to run off Brian Harson. They're gonna. They, they always want to exercise some control over the program. You're not going to control Deion Sanders. He doesn't need your money. He's in. He's independently wealthy because he was a the greatest NFL cornerback of all time. He's got that Aflac money. He's got that Aflac money coming in. Can you imagine the Aflac commercials? Oh my god! If Deion was Auburn's coach, <laughs> yeah, it would be incredible. Well, I do think too. For whatever reason, people always tend to ask Deion about Nick Saban. Like it's like something that they're like kind of in, indirectly in the same world for some reason, despite being galaxies apart uh, in terms of the programs that they cover. And maybe it's just because they're both big names and are in that commercial together. But like, if there was a personality that would come into Auburn and be like, I don't give a crap who Nick Saban is. It's Deion Sanders. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So that's the part I, I would do it. I would at least talk to him. I would hear what his plan is. And if you hear his plan and you don't think that that he's ready to make the jump to be an SEC head coach, then great. You you part friends and and that's that. But you at least talk to him. But do you think his resume is extensive enough? Yes. Because I think the years he spent not being a GA when he was the greatest cornerback of all time, I think that counts for something. Yeah. So he also played baseball. So yeah, a little bit of that too. Auburn needs some help on that, that, that front. Yeah. A little bit, but uh, uh, ha- all right. How about Matt rule? Cause Matt rule is going to be in demand in college football. I don't know that he wants to be at an old line sec program. A lot of coaches just aren't built for that. Like Matt Campbell wants no part of that. Bob Stoops at the end of his career wanted no part of that. I don't think Lincoln Riley wanted any part of that, which is why I think he went one of the reasons he went to USC. So I think Matt, that. I think there are certain coaches that can be excellent, but kind of veer toward the Big Twelve, Big Ten, ACC mm-hmm. feel of things. Yeah, you have to be ready to get dirty down there, you know. And I don't mean that from a cheating stand. I just mean like, oh, because you no you're going to be down in the mud. You're going to be down in the mud. You're going to be dealing with with a fan base that's more passionate and you know f- to find a nice word eccentric than at other every, places. Every day is a five alarm fire. Yes. In some way, shape, or form. And in order it's, to uh, win that conference, you probably have to sell your soul a little in one way or the other. And like Matt Rule to me does not seem to fit the personality profile of somebody who's going to just go out recruit Nick Saban for an Alabama prospect. Um, but I do think that he's a tremendous coach and is going to be a really great fit somewhere. But Matt Rule strikes me as a Big 12 ACC Big 10 personality the same way. Um, Matt Campbell would, you know, like, yeah. I, like Matt Campbell's a very good coach and was, you know, a year removed from being the hottest name in the coaching's carousel rumor mill. But I don't know that I would hire I'd, Matt I'd Campbell throw his name hire out. LSU yeah. or something, you know, I'd never like throw that. his name out for this job. I, um, I wouldn't. So it's like the thing with Auburn is that it has all the tools and it does have a recent or somewhat recent national championship under its belt. 
And you could say that it's probably one of 10 jobs or 15, maybe that could potentially win it all. That said, there are also aspects of this job that are inherently and obscenely difficult, which is being compared to Nick Saban and every step that you do playing in that conference, playing in that division and recruiting that territory. And I'm not sure that everybody's built for that. Here's a good one. Brooks Durham in the chat. Mark Stoops, because I think the Kentucky program has reached a ceiling, but I don't think Mark Stoops has reached his ceiling. That is a really well put statement, Brooks. Now, I was talking to Kyle Tucker, our Kentucky beat writer, when I was at the Tennessee-Kentucky game this weekend, and he made the point that this could be kind of a watershed moment for Mark Stoops at Kentucky because, you know, we call it the best job in America and we say they're going to keep paying you and they're not going to worry about your results as much as some of these other jobs. But the drawback is you can claw and scratch for 10 years at Kentucky and make Kentucky better. And then Tennessee and then just flips their team in one all, year and kicks right, the crap out of you. Right. Yeah. If Tennessee gets something right, they're ahead of you. If Florida gets something right, they'll be ahead of you too. Like, yeah. it, it's so frustrating. So if you're Mark Stoops, do you entertain a job like Auburn, which I think he could do well at? Now, his recruiting ties, uh, Vince Marrow, his, his ace recruiter, all of those go north. They all go up into Ohio. So mm-hmm. that would suggest that, You might take the best Big Ten job open instead of the best SEC job open. But I think he has the skill set to do that anywhere. And I don't think he's afraid of going against Nick Saban or Kirby Smart. He's not going to say, I'm going to out-evaluate these people because he knows exactly what they are. Does anybody, and I haven't read this, and I, in the few times I've spoken to Mark, uh, it didn't come up, but like, does anybody know what he, how he views life? You know, like, is he? I think he wants he to might, win. I think you know, he wants you think to win. He, I mean, some people would be fine being uh, the coach at Kentucky, winning 10 games every four years and being the greatest coach that ever been there. Uh, but I don't know if it gnaws at him every night before he goes to bed that he can't win a national championship. And if might. it does, then, then you have to make that change eventually. Now, the hardest part about that is, is that basically what happened on Saturday was a like you said, I don't know, watershed moment is the right word, but um, it is the realization that Kentucky has probably reached its ceiling. Yeah. So if you have reached your ceiling at the place that you work, I do understand the natural ambition to want to take on a new challenge because, you know, you work at the same place for a long time and you do it very well, then, you know, you're used to it, you know? Um, That said, Mark Stoops and Auburn. The only knock I would ever have on Mark Stoops, and I don't even know if it's a knock, but I think that his history and all those arrows that point up make him the absolute perfect fit in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I think taking him, what, eight hours south uh, of where he is could be the, the geography a is, for yeah, him. Could, can you adjust? But other people have adjusted. I mean, Urban Meyer adjusted. He, he, he went from being in the Midwest most of his life, then he was in Utah, then he went to Florida, and, and he either recruited himself very well where he needed to be or made sure he hired people around him. Like when he got to Florida, he kept Charlie Strong, he hired Doc Holliday, he hired people who knew exactly the lay of the land. Yeah, well, here's the thing, and we talk about this all the time as it pertains to coaching profiles and hires about qualifications and different jobs. Like like Brian Harson's job before he went to Auburn was a different job. Remember political reporter to sports reporter and vice versa. Yes. Both reporters, but very different jobs. Mm-hmm. 
If Mark Stoops signed his Kentucky classes at Auburn, that would not be good enough. Nope, but I don't think he would do so, that. Okay, it, but he has to go down there with the understanding that but you're you, not recruiting the he, Ohio kids anymore. You got to go after the, the same now. kids. He goes after the same kids Alabama and Georgia want too. He does. They may not yeah. entertain it, but he goes after them, and that is the difference. But what you're doing is, is you're hiring a coach, and he has gotten some really good players. I mean, yeah, some top. I think he's got a oh, few they, five stars in there. So he like, has gotten. A, he's got. A, he's got a five star freshman this year. They got a freshman nose tackle who so, can play anywhere in the SEC right now. I don't want this to come across as a criticism. I'm just bringing up devil's advocate. If you're going to be paying somebody as much money as you are at a place that's handing out buyout money like Halloween candy, hey, staying <laughs> on theme here. That's um, right. You got to be damn sure that that guy can go into Florida and get a Cormani McLean type player every now and then. Correct. Correct. I mean, that's that's why Florida hired Billy Napier, and that's why Miami hired Mario Cristobal, and that's why those two were the finalists for Cormani McLean. Yeah. And I mean, this is the third time I've seen um, Urban Meyer's name come up because the idea is that he'd be a great recruiter and he's won everywhere he's yeah, gone. Yeah, we. we I don't yeah. know that this is this is the same this Urban Meyer not, that exists four years ago, and it's not a fit. So yeah, it, this just is like, not, let it go. Yeah, it. yeah, it's not going to happen. All right, so let me throw some other names out there because it doesn't necessarily have to be a sitting head coach; it could be somebody else. I'll give you two assistant names that I would watch out for. Okay, Baylor offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. He's been the offensive line coach at Auburn. Understands the the, the workings of the place. Runs a an offense that would look very cool. In those Auburn uniforms. Yep. Would be really good up front. Would take a lot of lessons from working with Dave Aranda. And I know you're saying, well, why not Dave Aranda? I don't think Dave Aranda would want to go to Auburn. I don't think it'd, he'd be a fit there. But Jeff Grimes, I think, would be a good fit there. As a recruiter, I don't think he's afraid. He also knows all the other folks who've been in the SEC forever. You know, the, the folks like I always joke that Will Muschamp will get a set of SEC steak knives once he works for every single SEC school. Like there's a bunch of guys like that. You'll you put together a staff of those. And Grimes guys was and, on LSU staff for a while too. Wasn't he was. He? he was. He was also so, at LSU. So he has a recruiting. Okay, I like that. And what's the other one? Uh, the other one is Del McGee. Del McGee is at Georgia former very good Columbus, Georgia area high school coach who's been in the college ranks for a few years now. He's viewed as a potential head coach. Now, this might be too big of a first job. I don't know. But this is a guy who would get you dudes immediately. He would go and get the best players in the South. I don't know if we're there yet. Everybody talks about the Nick Saban coaching tree. And, you know, I don't know if Kirby Smart has a coaching tree or if it's just uh, Nick Saban's grandchildren. But I love the idea of getting somebody who is not only on the staff, but a key recruiter for an, a maniacal recruiting coach that has gotten results. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's like I liked the Dan Lanning hire. And I yes. like that idea, like going out and getting somebody. And I think that McGee's been on Georgia staff for like six or seven years now. Yeah, it's, so it's like crazy. He's been I remember when he was the head coach at Carver Columbus, but that was a while ago. Yeah, that was Isaiah Crowell was one of his players at. at oh, then Columbus. you're talking almost a decade ago at that yeah. point, so, if not longer. So can I can I throw one more name out there? It's a person who won't take the job, who won't leave where he is, but he'd yep. be perfect there. Hmm. Sam Pittman would destroy. 
people at Auburn. Yeah. Would destroy them. But he, he's not leaving Arkansas. Let me but ask. ask. You, but like that but is, ask anyway. But that is a uh, interesting point because we made the mistake last year, and I don't want to make it again, uh, about overlooking coaches that already worked at great places. Does Auburn have the ability to go get somebody who is not on the block right now? If Sam and if they do, were 20 years younger, maybe he, he's like, oh, better chance to win a national title there. But because of all this coming later in life, my, I, I wonder if his – I don't know where exactly where his perspective is on this, but he is, to me, just talking to people around him, viewed Arkansas as, as a retirement job. Like be, be good at the Auburn job – or sorry, the Arkansas job for 10 years, retire, and you're good to go. Would he, would he will, be willing to leave a very good thing? He's got a really good thing. For yeah. something that is completely chaotic. Yeah, you mentioned Dave Aranda. We've mentioned Lane Kiffin. We've mentioned Mark Stoops. Here's so another are- one. Seth Barnard mentions Rodney Garner. Now, I don't know that Rodney Garner is, is wanting to be a head coach right now, but he's the D-line coach at Tennessee right now. If That may be, and obviously he's an Auburn grad. He's been at Auburn multiple times. He's been at Georgia. He's been at Tennessee multiple times. That's the person who you either want to talk to or you want to make sure he gets on the next person's staff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's good. Let me ask you this one that has no connection there at all, but is an interesting name. Is Luke Fickle a national a national candidate anymore? Or does I would it have hire, to be a Big Ten job? I would hire Luke Fickle to coach at Auburn because I think he could do it. I think he'd do very well there. But I don't know that Luke Fickle would take the Auburn job. He's a little bit different cat when it comes to yep. these kinds of jobs. He's he's turned down some pretty good ones, and you know he's the one. So he told he, on this very podcast he told the story of you know he had the the interim job at Ohio State after Tressel got fired. So between Tressel and Urban Meyer, that made him so miserable that he didn't want to be a head coach again. And Mark D'Antonio, his former boss, had to talk him into pursuing head coaching jobs he's like dude you'd be really good at this please try you might like it better this time and so i i don't know that luke fickle wants all that aggravation that you get at auburn when he could keep doing what he's doing and eventually be the head coach at ohio state someday or penn state someday i i don't i don't think there's i don't think there's a clock in his head going well i gotta get somewhere Okay, and this is just kind of maybe a speed round, but just other names. What about P.J. Fleck? Would not be afraid at all to go after those dudes. Would not have any fear whatsoever. I don't know if he's done enough. But I don't know if it would work. But I'm like looking at a list right now of best coaches in America because we named Auburn Auburn coach like the Auburn coach. It it helps if he's got a thing like (laughs) P.J. Fleck's got some things. He does have a thing. He has an identity for sure. Is there swampland in Alabama to row a boat in? Or <laughs> there, listen, there's lakes all around Auburn. You can yeah. row a boat on the lake. You can row row a boat on the lake. Um, because we did name five names of current coaches that are in the top twenty of this. Yeah, list let me let me at. throw another so, one out there. Stephen Mike Gundy has tried to get to uh, Mike Gundy has has talked to Tennessee to get a raise at Oklahoma State. I, I think he's probably at this point in for a penny, in for a pound with Oklahoma State. But still, talk to him. Like if he wants to talk to you, talk to him. Yeah, yeah, 
He's so, a, he's a hell of a coach. I think we've named every potential candidate for the head coaching job as it pertains to a coach who's currently a head coach. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I mean, Del McGee is exciting to me. I think it's very interesting. And I think that's one that, that they should absolutely talk to. So we, we shall see lots of drama to unfold in the coaching carousel. There is now a big time sec job open where the school has won a national title this century They've had an un, uh, two undefeated seasons this century. They've won the SEC multiple times this century. They've won the SEC West in the last five years. It's going to get wild, everybody. Get ready. Hold on to your butts. The Auburn job is open.